master class in how to lead worship at a men's retreat, right? Which, you know, we've been back there with those guys before sessions start and just thanking them for singing songs that most of us can sing, <laughs> right? Not trying to get too cute or try to, you know, play their latest whatever that we've never heard of, but like just play some stuff that a whole bunch of us grew up singing at some point in time. So, so much love that. I have been trying since we got here on Wednesday not to act like my 12-year-old son, Trey. See, this is what Trey does. We'll get some play. In fact, he did it when we were here this summer. So excited to get here, you know, and we finally arrive and have a great day, the first day. And Trey, at the end of the day, just looks sad. And it's like, dude, what's wrong? Like, why are you so, you're not having a good time? He's like, yeah, I'm having a good time. I'm just sad because it's going to be over in five days. <laughs> You know, like he's miserable on the first day because it's already over for him. He's already thinking about how it's going to end. So I'm like, Trey, we can't live like that, although I, I'm half, you know, cup half empty, right? So my tendency is to do that too. But it's like, no, let's be fully present. <laughs> let's be fully present here. And I'm feeling that tonight, right? Let's be fully present here, see what God has for us, and, and roll with it. So Eric showed his family. I got to show my family because my wife's here for gosh sakes, right? Like I can't. <laughs> All right, both of our wives came. So, Joey, would you throw that uh, family picture up there? So, yeah, that's the crew. Yeah. That's Amy over there on the right. Maybe some of you guys have seen her. We just celebrated being together for 24 years last week. Yeah. So, the crazy irony is that we met back when Eric and Donna and I met. We were all at school together, and... Uh, Amy was, she's a few years younger than me. She's seven years younger than me, man. And I never had ever dated a girl that was at all younger than me, okay? But every time she came around, I didn't want her to leave. And, and I just loved being around her all the time. And friends were like, you know, that's kind of the, the girl you marry. When, you're, when you say that kind of stuff about her that you love when she's around and hate when she leaves, you might want to think about marrying her. And so... God bless us. She, she did say yes when I asked her, and she's, she's an oasis to me. I was thinking about this. She, she does ministry with college athletes like we both do the other day. Like I walked in on her in the room, and, and she was writing something. I was like, what are you doing? She said, I'm, I'm writing out the book of James. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like that's how she's rolling. Right? Like, I still don't, to this moment, I still don't know why she's doing that, but I just was like, I need to get my act together, okay? <laughs> like, I got I to gotta stay on course, right? And so, you know, somebody once said, and Amy and I have had our moments. Like, we have had knockdown, drag-out fights over the course of 24 years. We've had some bad moments with each other. But here's the, here's the thing. I've been talking to guys about this a lot lately. It's like, I'm trying to walk with God. She's trying to walk with God. We're both facing him. Maybe you've seen this before. And as you both are trying to walk with God together, you get pulled closer and closer together. I've always loved that. It might be a little bit corny, but I've always loved that picture, you know. And so I hope God will continue to give us another however many years doing that. That's Eric up there. He's 23. He actually worked here at Hume this summer, and he's a basketball player. And, and Jackie's up there. Uh, he's 17, just about to graduate. And Maria, she's actually a sophomore at Grand Canyon University. And then that's Trey, who's just trying not to be sad right now because the picture is about to be over. <laughs> yep. And, and then you got Ricky and you got Ronnie here, who's probably peeing and pooping on our, on our floor right now. He's got some bladder problems, but that's the family. 
So, Eric, why don't you come on up here? Eric and I were talking earlier. We didn't have time to do it earlier, but my mind was racing as I listened to Eric. And what did he do this morning? He just said, we're going to make this really simple, and we're going to lay out the way God has given us to grow, ways to grow, right? If we want to grow spiritually, he called them habits of grace. And there's really not rocket science to it. It's just a matter of will we do it or not, right? Um, Somebody once said, wait, let me come back to this. Let me think. Spiritual maturity... Spiritual maturity is guaranteed, but it's not automatic. Think about that. He said spiritual maturity is guaranteed, but it's not automatic. In other words, if you will do the things that God has put in place, it's guaranteed that we will grow. Can we help you? You all right? You all right? Let me pray. Lord, thanks for Chuck. Thanks that you knitted him together in his mother's womb and you created his heart. And I pray your blessing on him as he goes to deal with these heart issues, that you would strengthen him, heal him, give doctors wisdom, that they'd give him the care he needs and he'd be healthy and walking with you with energy and fruitfulness soon. So we we commit our brother to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Real life, boys. Real life. If you do the things that God has laid out, it's guaranteed you will grow. It's just not automatic because we get to make choices, right? So Eric had this list. Um, actually, Joey, I didn't ask you. Do you have Eric's list from this morning, Joey, by any chance? If you do, throw it back up on the screen. If not, I'm just going to remind us of them because I wrote them down. He talked about the word and prayer. He talked about worship, giving. Serving, good, proclamation, so, so talking, being the Jesus guy, right, talking about what Jesus has done in your life, fellowship, suffering, not running away from it, but being fully present in it when God brings it into your life, and then missions, and just caring about the nations, right, outside of ourselves. So as I was listening to him, and I don't know if he did this on purpose or not, um, But I thought, okay, how would I prioritize these? And it seems like the word has to be number one because it's out of the word that we learn how to pray. And all the other things on that list we learn about in the Bible. Like that's where we get those ideas from. They didn't just come from Biola University or, you know, someplace. They're they're from the Bible. So I think the Bible and prayer would be at the top of the list. But then this is what we were talking about. Like what's next? You know, if you're, especially if, you look at a list like that, and a lot of us might be like, dang, I'm not really doing any of that. You know, or maybe I'm doing one or two of them, but I just feel overwhelmed by it, like you're drinking out of a fire hydrant, right? So what would you say to the guy that's overwhelmed by it and just wants to know what to do next? Yeah, the, f- the first thing I want to say is I hope you caught that I spent really the first half talking about mm. grace and about the goal of intimacy with God. That it's not just a dutiful list of things to do so we become nice little legalists. And life can be overwhelming. Life can be exhausting. Just doing life. Just paying bills, taking care of things. Yeah. You know, I'm just thinking of my impending bladder problems. That can be overwhelming. It's coming. Someday. It's, coming. Yeah. it's coming someday. Yeah. So um, yeah. just, just thinking about life in a fallen world as we're all falling apart, that could just 
be overwhelming. And yeah. so then you think, okay, so I got to get after these nine things. But I hope you realize it's a matter of grace. And these yeah. nine things actually give you life. Yeah. They, they take discipline. And I don't want to minimize discipline. I've noticed something happened in generational things where I think my grandparents' generation and a lot of the mentors I had, they had no problem saying, Eric, you loving your wife? Eric, you reading your Bible? Eric, you praying? How's your prayer life, Eric? Is your, are you giving, Eric? Well, they had no problem doing that. I've noticed my students, if you talk like that, you sound legalistic to them. You sound like you don't get grace. But, mm. but the Bible commands, train yourself in godliness. Yeah. And I want to maintain a really strong, healthy place in the Christian life for just flat-out discipline. Sometimes doing stuff you just don't feel like doing. And, and that's a big part of the Christian life. I don't want to minimize that. And at the same time, I want to ground it in grace and seeking life and intimacy with God, which is my greatest treasure and joy. And so, so there is a discipline to it. There is a grind to it. But it's grounded in the grace of God. God never commands something he doesn't provide for. Okay. He, it, grace always precedes what we do. And so he, he's got grace. He'll enable us to do it. And so we need to rest in that. And I, I, I completely get what you're saying about Bible has to be first because how do I know how to pray? Yeah. How do I know the gospel which gives me the ability to approach the throne of grace with confidence because of what Jesus has done? How do I know what worship is supposed to be and how, how it looks? So, so the Bible is the thing that gives us our understanding of these things. But how do I understand what the Bible says when I approach it prayerfully? And when I approach it worshipfully? So yeah. these all work so interdependently you should almost ask, well, do you even want to separate them out? Yeah. Because they work so interdependently. And so if I don't go to the Bible worshipfully and prayerfully, I'm not going to actually understand the Bible and be transformed by it the way I'm supposed to. Yeah. And so they all do so work together. And if you're really getting the Bible, you're going to care about the nations. You're going to start giving more generously. And so they really do work so interdependently. And so for me... I, the longest I was ever in a church was four years until my last church where we've been there 24 now in mm. the way that all those nine have come together in my local church. So when we're when we're preaching at our church, we're preaching to our people. And I'm telling you, when I preach, I'm looking out and saying their marriage is in crisis. That brother's struggling with pornography again. She just got a terminal cancer diagnosis. And I preach from my guts because of it, the way it intersects with real life. And so I almost don't want to separate them out too much because they so work interdependently. So in one sense, we, you really should take that list. Again, this is just a time to assess, right? It's not, we said it from the get-go, we don't want to leave under the pile more, okay? But, but make a, let a list like that be an assessment where I say, okay, if this is the path towards growing, and Eric is saying these things all relate to each other, I got to have some of all of these going on to give myself the best chance of growing, then, then maybe you just walk through that list and say, where am I at right now? How is this showing up in my life or not? And what adjustment do I need to make so that it can start to show up? I would still say, again, even just not to get overwhelmed by it, maybe you just, you do, you pick one. And you say, okay, I'm not, I, service is nowhere in my life. So what, what can I start to do at church or in the local community or with the group of guys that you came? You start having that conversation. What could I start giving some service time to in the name of Jesus? Okay, or if you're married, that's something maybe you just talk about with your wife. How can we start to make space in our, time, in our schedule so that we start to serve? And that's a great example of the way they work together. So 
I think it's really important to have face-to-face -face time in our relationships. But there's a power in shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder time with people where you're serving. I mean, it, you guys is. get together and you, serve, you get to know each other and you have fun and you recreate and you, you get into each other's lives. But if you go over to some widow's house in yeah. your neighborhood that's yeah. falling apart and you put a day in working there, Come on. that's bonding, man. Yeah. And that makes you feel real and yeah. alive. And look after orphans and widows in their distress is what Christians, uh, one of the things we're supposed to be known for. But when you do that with other guys, man, you feel alive. And there's a bond that comes through that. There is. That face-to-face -face just isn't going to bring you. You usually end up having conversations. Oh, I've had my best yeah. conversations yeah. with other men, yeah. working with them, hiking with them, and sitting around a fire yeah. and eating. And, and, and that you, that's so enhancing to our relationships, yeah. It really is. Yeah. Um, so I was on a plane with a dude. Let me just throw this out so I don't forget this. Uh, I don't usually do this when I fly. Normally I'm, I'm kind of in quiet mode, mostly because I can't hear very well anymore on planes, okay? So it's just so exhausting. Well, I got in this conversation with a dude the other day coming here. For two hours we talked. We're like, like, like junior high girls, man. We were just talking and talking back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And, but we were having this really substantive conversation with each other. And, and he said, he said, I heard a pastor say one time that when you're born, you look like your parents. When you die, you look like your choices. So I wrote it down, right? I was like, dude, wait, say that again. When you're born, you look like your parents. When you die, you look like your choices. And again, that can be kind of an overwhelming thought, especially if you're here and you think, oh my gosh, man, I've been making horrible choices for a long time. Like there's no chance of turning this around. Like there's too much behind me. But that's grace. Like that's not the way it works. God is saying, if I've, if I've still got you here right now, there's a purpose for it. And these things that Eric talked about earlier, if you'll apply yourself to them, I'll do some really special things in your life because, because you give yourself to them. Remember, we talked about Daniel. God's already moving. Daniel resolved himself to do something different. God shows up again and opens the door a little further, and then Daniel makes another move, right? So maybe it's just, again, what are you going to do after you leave here with some of this? And the beauty, God's the God of the do-over. That was my favorite. Go ahead, talk we, about we that. We were playing pickleball today with our wives, and there are cracks in there, and we were doing do-overs. Leaving with a fortitude lead. Yeah. Come on, dude. That was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> Leaving with a fortitude. Are they up our there? Wives, our wives talk so much smack. It's unbelievable. We've yeah, got to win. We've trash. got to win. We'll never live it down. We, they beat us last year 11 to 1. 11 yeah. to nothing. Yeah, I was not going to bring and that up. And they have brought year, it up they have brought it up a thousand times. Just, <laughs> brought it they'll, up. they'll bring it into any conversation. But, but God's got a do-over. That was my favorite rule as a kid. When we play in the streets, your car comes and you go, do-over. And that God's got a do-over. And yeah. here's the beauty of the redemptive, redemptive work of God. He'll take the scars in our lives. He'll take even the bad stuff and make them beautiful trophies of grace. Yeah. And he's yeah. the God who take, make, take, makes beauty out of ashes. Yep. And so he'll even take yeah. the failures, the sin, the things in our lives. Use them hugely. That, and he uses them. And he, he makes them into just beautiful trophies of, of grace in our lives. So, so nothing is a waste if we learn from it. Right on. So one of the, one of the categories in here was fellowship. And this kind of leads into what we're going to talk about tonight with the re remaining time. What's the difference between biblical fellowship and just a, a good social event? Okay, because churches have lots of events that are social. How can you tell, the, but they're not necessarily fellowship. 
What does biblical fellowship mean? Well, I would say biblical fellowship has the goals we talked about this morning, that when we get together, it's not just to get together, it's to grow in our relationships with the Lord, our intimacy with him, and increase our capacity to glorify him with our lives and bear the fruit of the spirit and the character of Christ being conformed in us, okay. which means we're intentional about those goals. We don't assume they're going to happen. They don't happen automatically. If we just skim along the surface in our conversations, if we never, never go anywhere deep, if we're, just, if we're just relational water skiers and not scuba divers, okay. we're not going to grow nearly like we, we need so to. So the way we become scuba divers is we're asking questions like what? I'll throw a couple out. Like, like what are you learning lately? Um, man, where are you struggling lately? Again, that's a little bit more vulnerable, but what are you going through right now that you're asking God to help you with? Um, what did you get out of last week's sermon? Right? Like, that's always, again, we're talking with church people, right? Like, what stuck out to you from the sermon the other day or, or whatever? Like, what are some other yeah, ways in? Well, I think it's so important that we are giving each other encouragement and constructive criticism. Guys okay. can struggle with both of those. I think women tend to encourage each other more easily than men do because it sounds corny to us. But to say, you know what, brother, I'm so thankful for how prayerful you are. Yeah. I'm so, so grateful how you remember things I told you that were burdening me. And, and you ask me how I'm, I'm doing that. I, I'm just grateful for how, how you're in the word and you're asking me what I'm learning. It, that that you, you express con, encouragement to each other, but also that we express constructive criticism to each other. That we're willing to just say things like, you know, you cut people off when you talk. You know, you, you don't listen well. well you don't, maybe yeah. you're listening, but you, you just don't show you're listening very well. Yeah. Or, man, your sense of humor is always cutting. And, and that can be okay, but man, if that's all we do is just make fun of each other, it just can wear me out sometimes. And, yeah. and that we're, we're just honest with each other and that we invite that, that we say, hey, if you ever see anything in me yeah. that I have a blind spot about or that I, that I just really could learn from and grow from, would you tell me and invite it so, so you, you're willing to give it graciously, but you invite it in your life as well. I, yeah. I have friends who talk to me straight about stuff. Yeah. I've, I mentioned Dave Talley this morning, who's really generous. He's called me on the way home from elder meetings before and says, hey, man, you got to call that brother. You, you were harsh with him just now. And, and I, you didn't notice, but it hurt his feelings, man. You need to call him. And so guys like that in your life are so helpful who, who tell you the truth. Yeah. And they shoot straight with you. Somebody said to me once, and this stuck to me, he said, I need to stop being stingy with my praise and encouragement. Think about that, being stingy with it. Like, we'll, we'll wait until somebody dies and say all kinds of positive stuff to them, right, at the funeral. You get asked to speak at the funeral, and you get your five to seven minutes, and you stand up, and you're just listing off all these great things. That they, but you never said any of that to them ever. And it's just what Eric just said, like it brings, that's how God has rigged things, which we're going to talk about in a minute, that when I speak those words, they, they give you more courage. They, they cause you to want to do the next right that's good thing. That's why we call it encouragement, because right? we get courage from it. That's yeah, right. and so even what you said, we shouldn't be stingy with our constructive feedback, too. Now, you can't go around spewing that to everybody, but it's in the context of having some relationship. So while you're doing the potluck and the bowling stuff and the different outings that we do as a church, which it's totally fine to have fun. That, that's a social event. Inside that social event, it becomes fellowship when we're super intentional to be trying to go down beneath the surface with other people, right? That's what we're saying. Okay. Sit down, and I, and I will see you soon. Thank you. Keep the microphone. Yeah. You're going to want these. 
Somebody pass those down. We'll start them right here. Pass them all the way down the... Huh? You don't need them? Okay. Can't... It's true. One of them dudes... One of these dudes has it right now. Yeah. Has it right now. So all week... All weekend long, we've been trying to get this quote in that we started on Thursday night, didn't read it, wanted to use it last night, didn't read it, and I'm not leaving without reading this. All right, you ready for it? This guy named Carl Truman, okay, he's a historian. This is what he said. He said, every age has its darkness and its dangers. Every age has its darkness and its dangers. The task of the Christian is not to whine about the moment in which he or she lives, but get this, but to understand its problems and respond appropriately to them. Every age has its darkness and its problems. Remember, we talked about this a little bit. Like, we live at a time where there's all kinds of craziness going on. Well, there's always been craziness going on since Genesis 3. All around the globe and all throughout history, there's just stuff that just like makes your stomach turn, evil, and, and, and horrible distortions of God's plan for human beings, right? Like that, Satan, there is a real spiritual battle. Eric talked about that the other day. That we need to take seriously that it's going to be ugly and messy. In fact, the fact that we have periods of, of relative peace, even as a nation, is more a mercy of God. It really is. It's a, it's a mercy of God for whatever reason that he does that. I'm not, I'm not even sure. But we shouldn't be surprised when things get crazy. What Truman is saying is that the task of the Christian is to understand its problems and respond appropriately to them, okay? So here's one of its problems. Here's one of its problems. Vivek Murthy was the Surgeon General from 2014 to 2017. I don't know what he does now. But the Surgeon General is like the top doctor in, the, in, in our nation, Right? This is what he said. In fact, he said it many times over the course of those years. That the most prevalent health issue in the country, get this, he's saying, is not cancer or heart disease, obesity, it's isolation. The most prevalent health issue is isolation. In fact, he says it's at an epidemic level. Because when human beings get isolated from one another... They feel anxiety. They, their bodies get sick. Like even, even he's recognizing that humans were created by God to be in, in relationship with one another. And we live at a time right now where, again, I don't want to make over-the-top statements, but I don't know, maybe not in any time in the history of this country have we been more isolated and alone from one another. Even though we've got technology to be connected to a million people, but to not have real relationship with hardly anybody. I think it's especially true for us as guys. Like Eric said that, he said that a couple times. Like women and just the way God has made them have a tendency to be more relational and easier to get together and engage one another face to face. Although I, even they are struggling with isolation now. But men in the way we're wired, just that, that's not a normal thing for us to do. That's a choice for us to move towards one another like that. And so here's, here's the statement, fellas. I believe the world needs, maybe more than any other time, this country definitely needs, men who are practicing how to be substantively connected to other men. And I wrote that down earlier, and I thought, man, the world, okay. 
the church. The church needs men today more than maybe any other point in our history as a country. It needs men who are practicing how to be substantively connected to other men. It's not optional. This is like, again, this is one of these things I feel like I've been hearing about for 30 years. And maybe you've heard it too. Like, we need to be connected. We need to be connected. Need, and then we go about our business and stay disconnected. And God is saying, no, you don't get it. The way I've set this up for your own soul, you need to be connected. But to experience the purpose for which I have you on the earth, you have to be connected to other people because I want you to impact them. You need both sides of it. So here, here's what I want you to do. We haven't done anything like this yet. This may be a... This won't be worse than the balloon thing that we did on the first night, okay? So there's some risky things that have happened here. I just want you to turn to each other, a couple, just get in little groups of two, three, okay? And here's the question. Why don't we connect with one another as men? I'm asking you to connect with each other right now to talk about, just for, I'm going to put five minutes on, why don't, what, what is it that keeps us from doing that, okay? Go ahead and talk to each other. It's worse when I sit. I gotta lay down. That's what I need. That's what I need, like a harness. One minute, one more minute. What was the end of that? Our task as Christians. I missed the last part. Our task as Christians is... read half of it, but yeah, yeah, right on. Good, okay. Okay, you guys have been good about this, which is not always easy to do this in a big group, but I, here you go, that's a conversation that I think is worth taking home with you, okay, but let me just hear from a few of you. Okay, again, you guys have done a good job. Listen, part of the reason, I will tell you this, part of the reason why, even in a big group like this, I like to, to ask people what they're hearing or what God's doing in them, again, because, because we learn from each other. And maybe God's doing something inside of you that's going to bless somebody over here. Or he's doing something inside of you or gives you an insight that somebody over there needs to hear. So don't be stingy with your ideas either. Some of us talk too much, need to make some room for other folks. Right? That's, that's true. I'm one of those people. I end up talking too much. Like they say, you know, give me some feedback. I'm like, okay. But others of us need to step up sometimes. Okay, so let, let me just hear a few, a few from you. What would you guys say? Nice and loud. Because we're men. Because we're men. All right, good start. Good start. Red shirt. We become jaded. Talk about that just for one more second. What do you mean by that? What I mean by that is like, you know, we, 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 we,
Yeah, right on. He said, go ahead. Yeah, it hurts. Good, good. It's disappointing to keep putting yourself out there and get hurt by other people. When you're vulnerable or when you're open and honest like Eric's talking about, you open yourself to getting hurt. Okay? Good. All the way in the back. We compartmentalize things. Okay, well, give me another sentence. Okay. Okay, so we're about one topic deep, and then we're, and we're done, right? Okay? Okay, right on, right here. Hold on, say it again. It says, at times we can be full of pride. And what, what are the implications of being full of pride? How does that keep us from wanting to talk to each other? Yeah, we're, so we're just like too proud to encourage one another. Or maybe we're too proud to admit that we need some help, right? Like that's on the other side of it, right? Just I'm just... Man, I don't want to show any vulnerability that way that I actually need some help. Go ahead. Time mismanagement. Time mismanagement. Talk about that. We fill our schedules with things to do, whether it's kids or wives or other things, and we don't take time to connect intentionally with each other. Okay, he said time management because we fill our schedule with so many things that we don't actually build in any time to purposely connect with each other. That's good. I can see this. This could go on for an hour right here, couldn't it? How about you? What do you got? We keep good. Good. He says we keep things bottled up inside of ourselves and don't know who to go talk to. And there's fear involved. Even if I did find somebody to be able to talk to, how am I going to talk to somebody about all this stuff that's going on inside of me? One more from this side. Good. Excellent. Say it. Okay. He said if we share our feelings, it's, it's perceived that we're weak. Where the reality is, it's actually a sign of strength, right? That I'm secure enough in myself and I understand myself as a human being that's broken and has problems that I can actually share those with other people and still be fully myself, right? How about this? Uh, some of us just didn't grow up in home. We're, we're just doing what we saw dad do or not do, Okay. I think that's probably common for a lot of us. Like, what's been getting passed down to us is, is, is manhood from our dads that is not very engaged with other men for a lot of us. Okay, that's one. Go ahead. We don't want to burden others with our problems. We don't want to burden others with our problems, which, again, maybe that's kind of tied into the pride thing a little bit. I'm going to go all the way in the back. Okay, I don't know if I want to because it's easier not to. It's easier not to. I wrote down a couple other ones for myself. Maybe I'm just, I'm just running a game, like I'm faking it. I'm, I'm purposely not wanting anybody to know what's going on inside of me because I want to be able to do things that I know are not good, right? So I don't want there to be any accountability. Maybe I just, I'm committed to keeping a mask on because I've got a certain image or I'm doing lots of perception management. Again, we've already said things like this. And if you find out that I'm actually struggling, that blows up your perception of me in some kind of way. Eric mentioned this. Just maybe we grew up with locker room ethics. So we constantly have just trained ourselves to communicate through sarcasm with one another. 
which just totally, and, and, you know, sometimes that's a cultural thing. Again, maybe it's sport culture or, you know, you work out in construction or something, right? And that's just how we do it with each other. Like that, we're always saying something smart to each other. And it totally undermines the possibility of us being honest with and having a serious conversation with each other. Okay, great. So, Joey, could you put Proverbs 18.1 up? There's two sides of a coin for why this is a problem and why maybe we need to make some different choices as we move forward out of here. Proverbs 18.1, I've been getting convicted by this proverb. Now, Proverbs is a great book. If you're just trying to get some wisdom in the Bible, you're not sure where to begin in the Bible, man, I would, I would strongly encourage just read the chapter of, of, of Proverbs for the day that corresponds to the day. So if it's the 18th, read Proverbs chapter 18. If it's the 23rd, read Proverbs chapter 23. Okay, I did that for years. There's so much wisdom. It says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. So this is one side of the coin for why isolation is a problem. Solomon says, if whoever isolates himself, meaning like the word picture here is to, is you're in a river and, and there's this, this, um, this, what do you call it? Like a tributary. Thank you. There's a tributary that breaks off from the river and just gets completely out of the flow with, with the rest of the water and just goes over here and does its own thing, okay? That's what a man is like who isolates himself. He just breaks away from the pack. And why does he do it? Well, he seeks his own desire. Like he wants to just be able to do what he wants to do. He doesn't need anybody else's help. He doesn't want anybody to know maybe stuff that's going on inside him, all these different things that we said. Ultimately, he's selfish. He's more concerned with himself. That's really what all this stuff is, right? I'm more concerned with myself and being able to do what I want to do and maintain a certain way of being viewed than I am being part of the flow. But he breaks out against all sound judgment in doing that. In other words, he, he, he separates himself from getting wisdom that will make practical success in life possible. Because isolation breeds distortion. Isolation breeds distortion. What does that mean? When I'm all off on my own, I get distorted in my view of God. I'm not, it's not supposed to just be me and my Bible on my own, okay? There, there is a, a time for that, but Eric's been saying this over and again. He's been saying it for decades. God set this up that we're supposed to be in community around his word. I'm not saying you never read it by yourself. I'm just saying you stay in community around the word. Because really nutty things start to happen when you're just on your own all the time. We get distorted in our view of ourselves. Okay? We don't see ourselves the way God <laughs> sees us. We start to get distorted in our mind. We start to justify things in our life. We don't see other people the way God sees them. We get distorted. Isolation breeds distortion. And look, the worst I mean, this has always been true for me, and it's been true for every dude that I've ever been around. The guys that get themselves in trouble in any kind of way are always disconnected from other guys. Always. I've been doing this for 30 years, talking to dudes like you all across the country. Anytime somebody comes up to me with any kind of problem, one of the questions I always ask is, you're talking to me. You don't even know me. Who else is in your life that you're talking to about this? Who are your guys? Don't have any. You need a support system, right? Every time I've gotten myself in trouble, it's because I broke out on my own and I got out of community with other guys. 
all the time. There's junk in my heart. Uh, man, one time I... <laughs> One time my sink was clogged in my bathroom, and man, the sink looked great. Like everything about it looked good. I looked underneath the sink, the pipes and everything looked good. I was putting Drano down it. Like I put two different things of Drano down it. And whatever was in there like ate the Drano. Like, okay? So I finally opened them up, and you guys, like there was like death in these pipes. I was like, no, there's maybe even a, there's a cure for cancer in here somewhere. Like, it was so foul what was in there. And I remembered as I was, like, you know, cleaning it, it was just like, like, no one would ever have been able to see what was in there that was jamming everything up. And see, that's, that's what our heart is like. Like, we got dark stuff inside of our heart that's, that's, that, that Satan wants to play with and manipulate and use so that we don't get to experience the abundant life that God has for us. Right? It's like, the, like our heart is dark and it undermines what God is trying to do. So, so the antidote is to get that stuff out in community. That's the way he set it up. Okay, so that's one side of the coin. Go ahead and put the other one up there, Joey. Here's the other side. So it's in our best interest to stay connected to other dudes so that we have accountability. And Eric, we're going to come up and we're going to talk about this in a minute, what it looks like. Can I see that Hebrews passage? Here's the other side of it. It's not just about protecting ourselves, but it's because God actually has a purpose for us. Again, we think you guys are all going back home, and I don't know what your vocational lives are like. I don't know what your church lives are like, but I know that when you go back home, one of the purposes that God has for you is that you would make an impact in other guys' lives. You would make an impact in other guys' lives. How can I say that so confidently? This is Paul talking to Jesus' followers, church people, he says, look, let's consider, think about, focus on, give some intentional thought to how to stir up one another to love and good, do, and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Paul says, man, it's a habit of people not to get together. And he's saying, don't do that. Like, get together with each other. And consider, think about, how can I help you live better in the name of Jesus? How can I help you accomplish what it is that God has for you? How can I be armed with the kinds of questions that will help us get beneath the surface with each other and have substantive conversations? That's what church is supposed to be. Where's Justin at? Justin, did you leave me? Are you still in the back, Justin? All right, come on out here. Grab a mic. Super quick. We were just talking about this earlier, um, and Justin, who used to be a youth pastor, yep. and was talking about the effect of COVID uh, and what it did to church attendance, okay? And he said something that I thought was super insightful about the purpose of church that I think is worth hearing. Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, like, we could do church a la carte now, right? We can go find the best worship, we can get the best speakers, we can sit at home, but the one thing we cannot do uh, digitally is community, and that is what church is about, is being with a group of believers together and growing together. That's why I love hearing you guys say this stuff, yeah. Yeah, right on. And so why does that, what does that look like when it's going well? And I'm putting you on the spot a no, little bit. No, it's great, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, what does it look like yeah. when it's going well? Well, we have the foundation of Christ that we get to stand on and lean against our community and our church that is supporting us, supporting, you know, when we're going bad, but then we're also there to support others when 
you know, that when we're doing good, because it's ups and downs, you know, in ministry and uh, in our Christian life. And so being part of a church, being part of a body, you get to help people up and you get to be held up by other people at the same time. Love it, dude. Yeah. Okay, thank Appreciate you. It, yes. yes, man, he said that when we were back there. <clears throat> and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's like the whole point of church. It's not just to show up and, and sing songs and, and worship through song. It's not just to hear the word. Hopefully that's a good experience for you. But it's to actually have already a list in your mind of people that you're going to go check in. You're going to go check on. When you get there on Sunday or Wednesday or whenever it is that you gather together, you actually are intentionally seeking out a handful of people that God has put on your heart, who you've had conversations with, okay, and to find out more about them. Like, you guys have been doing that with us all weekend, coming up and telling us your stories. If we were all going back together, I would want to keep following up on how this is going with you. Like, I see that as my purpose as a man, not just to show up and hope I get something from me. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with getting something for you. But my main goal should be to interact with God in a meaningful way, no matter what it is that's going on upstage, that I bring my heart ready to interact with God and I bring my heart intentionally ready to move into other people's lives for whatever time we have to gather together. That's on Sunday. But then during the rest of the week, I've got my guys that I'm meeting with once a week or once a month or once every couple months that know me and that I'm open with and I'm honest with and we're asking real questions of each other. Again, I need that in order to stay in line myself, but I also need to play that role in some other guys' lives. It's just the way God has rigged it. E, will you come back up with me? And just let's, let's just talk about it for a few more minutes and then we'll stop. Because this is what we want you to go home and do, okay? If, you're not our, if you are doing it, keep doing it. Okay, see how you can stimulate maybe some other guys to start taking seriously meeting together. If you're not doing it, I want you to think about what it would look like to start having a group yeah. of guys. Go ahead. As, as you were just saying that last point, I was thinking I've officiated hundreds of weddings. That's when you're in college ministry, that's what ends up happening. But I, I've officiated hundreds of weddings, and I will always turn to the wedding party. Good. And I'll say, you're not just here to look good today. You're witnessing these vows and they chose you as the most important people in their lives to stand up here representing them before the congregation in this wedding. And, and your standing here includes helping them Stay keep married. these vows. <laughs> keep right? these vows. You ain't just yeah. here to look good. You're here. Yeah. If you see your boy dropping the ball and loving his wife like Jesus, you take him out to lunch and you confront him. You do whatever you need to to help him keep his vows. And you can't do that if you're not following Jesus the way he needs to be following Jesus. Yeah. And so, so let me just apply that to the guys who stood up the other morning. Okay. If you came here with those guys, that is a big deal yeah. that they stood up in front of everybody and said, I want to follow Jesus. And, and it's your job if you know these brothers and you came with them yeah. to help them keep that commitment they stood up and publicly made. How would you do that? How would you do that? Eric? How would they help them? Like, what does that literally look like to help them? What am I yeah, saying to them and, or and asking man, them? I so appreciated. Somebody said time management, right? I, I, for me, that was the first thing that came to mind was, man, I don't have time. I don't have time for relationships. I don't have time for people. I don't have the energy. There's so much, so much need, so much going on. And so I need to prioritize 
the relationships in my life that God's clearly put within my primary sphere of influence, that, and I need those guys, and I need to carve time out. So my wife is part of a supper club at our church. Supper where club. Where she and seven other women get together at, uh, twice a month, and they, they, have, they have supper club, and they talk, and they pray, and they've been doing it for years, and they serve together, they pray together, they weep over each other's kids going through hard times. It's beautiful. And, and after years of Donna doing the supper club, one of the husbands said, hey, why don't we do something like that? Huh. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. Like, oh, right. right? Oh, that's a good idea, man. <laughs> and we said, well, we can't call it supper club. So right. I, I came up with the idea. We're, we're the body of Christ. We're a bunch of dads. So we call it dad bod. Dad bod? Yeah, dad bod. You know, and so, so we get together. <laughs> We get together. Somebody's we gonna put that together. on a t-shirt and make money. Somebody's yeah. gonna make money out that over here. But it's hard, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. It's hard. We get together and and the first time we did it, with the, one of the guys says, "We're not gonna do this as often as the ladies, are we?" I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we are. are. Maybe we will. Yeah. And and so to just carve out the time, and then when you do it, don't just let let it be joking around and talking about the Lakers. It's got to be, it's got to be meaningful. It's got to be, man. How is your soul? What is yeah. the state of your soul? You gotta turn a corner. That's at right. Some point. Are you loving your wife well? We talked about how you're looking at pornography lately. How's that going, man? How can we pray for you? Hey, next time you're tempted, give me a call. Just getting intentional and getting each other's life. I had the best time talking to these guys over here. Yeah, just for you, a few minutes. Yeah, right? you asked the question, <laughs> why don't guys connect? And the, this whole group of guys said, we do. Right on. We do. And they are right in on. each other's lives in amazing ways because they got some common challenges that they've overcome together. Yeah. And they're like soldiers, man. When yeah. you've been to war together, it's bonding. Yeah. And you don't forget that. And, and so, yeah. And I'm guessing, you know what? I'm guessing that that might be true for, for a lot of you guys in here. I, this has been an exceptional, it really has, man. It's been an exceptional four days. The way you guys have, me and Eric pay attention to this kind of stuff. The way you guys have engaged the worship time. The way you guys have been looking at us and paying attention, even though you're tired and some of this stuff you've all heard before, or, you know, you get tired of listening to guys, but you're trying. It, it right? could yeah. not have been a more encouraging time for us. Come on, morning. man. Really? Yeah. Seriously. And, and, so, and, and again, you're, you're, you're in pockets, and not everybody is, but I'm saying those of you who are, I say, yeah, keep going with that, fellas. Keep going with that, okay? Keep doing that. And see if you can spread that out. See if you can stir up other guys to, to keep doing it. Because we live it at a time where, where the Surgeon General is saying loneliness and isolation is at an epidemic level. And so guess what? Guess where people should be able to look and see light in the midst of that darkness? They should be able to look at church people. Okay? And they don't always, right? They look at the church and they see a lot of bad stuff. And we know all that. But man, on your watch, on my watch, I want them to be able to see as much as it depends on me. They're going to see somebody who, when I walk in the room, again, unless it's just inappropriate for some reason, we're going to have conversations about something. If you start talking to me on a plane, you better be careful, because if we really start talking, we're going to go. Okay? Seriously. And I'm going to ask you questions, and I'm going to dig into your life. And I was doing that with this dude, okay? 47-year-old, successful dude who is single and has a major problem with women. And we talked for two hours I got to talk about Amy, and it's like, dude, it doesn't have to be that way. And, oh, you're a church guy? Let's talk about what it means to be a Jesus guy, okay? Because there's a difference between those two. And see, if, if you can start being more of a Jesus guy, maybe you find a Jesus woman. And remember, I show you, you got this going on, and it's like it can look really different. 
right? But I feel it's a responsibility as a man to live that way. And you should too. Like it gives you purpose, right? It gives you purpose. Every day when you get up, you have a good reason to get up because you don't know who God's going to bring around you that maybe you're going to be able to dig into that way. And, and what's beautiful about it is we can have a unity in Christ that the world doesn't even have a category for. And what I mean is we have a unity in Jesus that means our hobbies aren't what unites us. He likes fish. I like to fish. So we're, we're buds. No, in Christ, we need to make the world look at our relationships where we love each other like family. And they need to say, how do you guys even know each other? Never mind, love each other like brothers. Yeah. And we say, oh, it's Jesus. Yeah. Jesus prayed that we would be unified in a way that would show the unity that he has with the Father and that the world will know that the Father sent the Son yes. because of the way we live. Come on. So the unity we have in the body, not based on on personality types, not even generational. I, was, I mentioned that this morning. Yeah. The, the Bible commands that the older are, me, are discipling the younger. And we hear a lot about diversity these days, and that's good. But we don't hear enough about generational diversity. Yeah. And, and you, you gray heads, you need to be start looking for young guys who, who need you as a father figure, a grandfather figure in your life. I'm telling you, and let me, I got news for you. A lot of we older people assume the youngsters aren't interested in us old fuddy-duddies. It's not true. They're desperate. Most of them, a lot of them don't have good father figures in their lives, and they need that in the church. They need men caring about them yeah. and diving into their lives. And they want it desperately. And, and the few guys who are serious about it, we're overwhelmed with yeah. the amount of young guys who are desperate for father figures. And so, so get moving down that road so you're worth following, and you'll see young guys following you like crazy, yeah. asking you to, I just got an email today about a guy asked me to mentor him. And, and I, I say no to most of them. And I say, go look for that guy in your church who may not be who you think is going to be used by God, but will be. And it doesn't have to be the same sort of personality or interest or hobbies. That's not what it is. Is he wise? Is he godly? Is he loving? Does he love his wife well? Does he do the things Christians do well? That's the big thing. Not these little demographic particularities. Yeah, can we go to lunch so I can ask you some questions? Yeah. Like, that's how you do it, right? Could I, just one time, could we go to lunch? Or maybe a couple times, would you be willing to come out and talk to me? Howard Hendricks is an old Dallas seminary professor, and he said, I've never forgotten this, he said, every man should have a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy in his life. Okay, get that? A Paul, an older mentor, somebody that's a few years in the faith down the road, somebody you can talk to the way Eric just talked to. A Barnabas that you're locking arms with who's in kind of a maybe similar season of life, similar spiritual maturity. You can just be running with each other and encouraging each other. And a Timothy where you're reaching down, okay, to somebody that's behind you a little bit and saying, hey, man, let's go, let's go out and eat. Can we talk? Okay, and just dig into their life a little bit. Love that. We're out of time. Pastor, pray for us, would you? Lord, we're grateful for the privilege of prayer. We're grateful that you have provided all the grace we need to yeah. walk faithfully with you and to train ourselves in godliness. Lord, I'm grateful for these guys and the abundant evidence that you're working in their lives and have been yeah. before they showed up here and will continue to work after they leave here. Lord, I pray that we would be simply faithful for whatever you have on our plates from day to day, that we would walk with you in daily faithfulness, obeying your word, depending on the spirit, and asking you to use us in the lives of other people yeah. as ministers of the gospel. Yeah. So Lord, we pray that these things would be evident in our lives as we take our good intentions yeah. and see you turn them into acts of faith. Help. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.